going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 107. Mostly NFL this week. Some coaches already on the hot seat. Bay Area teams in shambles. We're going to talk about it all. Yeah, it's, it's a weird first three weeks of the NFL season. And if I ask Skyler to tell me one thing about the NFL so far, one thing that we know about one of the 32 teams, I don't think he'd be able to tell me anything because we don't really know much right now. And Not usually at, at this point in the season, one team sticks out, one team's 3-0. It's just like, oh, wow, this team's so much better than everybody else. Or there's one team that's just getting shelled every single game, and we know this team is the worst team in the NFL. But we don't have that. We have a couple 3-0 teams. We have one. Houston's pretty bad. Houston is pretty (laughs) bad. But they also tied with the team that the Chiefs lost to. Mm -hmm. So there's that part of it, too. But uh, let's just go ahead and get into the opener. And I'll talk about what I my favorite thing that I saw this past week, and that was the A's getting to Jacob Degrom on Saturday uh, in the A's ten to four win over the Mets. Jacob Degrom allowed four runs in the first inning, and then proceeded to allow another run in the third before he came out of the game after four innings. And this was the first time in the last forty starts for Jacob Degrom that he has given up more than three earned runs. And it happened in the first inning against the worst team in the American League, which is just absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. It's also the f- the most runs that Jacob DeGrom has ever allowed in the first inning. He's never allowed <laughs> more than three. And once again, it happened against the worst team in the American League. And I was very happy to say that I was there for that game and watched all that live. Uh, I originally went with the intentions to watch Jacob DeGrom throw 102 and just strike our guys out and just kind of soak in watching somebody that's that good pitch. But we had the Connor Capel show that day (laughs) and he went ham. We had the Jordan Diaz show that day and he went ham. Seth Brown went ham. It was just a great day for the A's and probably one of the best wins throughout the whole year. Absolutely. That's got to feel good, especially in person. Uh, The best thing I saw got to be the Raiders big win this weekend and that's not the Vegas Raiders that is the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee the 45 to 31 win over number 25 Miami quarterback Chase Cunningham over 400 yards four total touchdowns it's great to see because this is a team that well specifically Kyle and I have been rooting for for it's got to be seven eight years now even before they had their crazy uh their crazy run in March Madness so uh it's good to see a team we like pull off a big upset like this what about the Red Raiders, too? Another big, big upset one. for the Red Raiders. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week when there was, there's no choice here. We had to go mm. with Albert Pujols, hit homers 699 and 700, become the fourth player in MLB history to ever hit that mark. He joins Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds as the only other three. And if you haven't heard the call, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> Pujols sets one in the air. It's deep to left. Taylor's back at the wall. It's 700. Albert Pujols has joined the 700 home run club. I have a kind of an unpopular opinion about this whole situation with Pujols. 
I think 697 was a bigger deal than 700. I know it's a, a big, even number, the 700 club, but I think passing A-Rod is more important to me. I would want that ball more than I would want the 700 ball. I don't know about that. I definitely think I'd say 700 is the the bigger plateau just because he's looked at that number for it's such a long time. easily marketed, obviously. Exactly. Big, even number. And just to see Albert destroying baseballs this year is pretty yeah. crazy to see. So congrats to Albert. He got it a couple of weeks ago, I'm pretty sure, when he got 697. And he's going to get it again this week for the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. Let's move on to our team reports now. Tough week for me and Skyler. Skyler, yeah. talk about the Jets this past week. I'll try to keep this one short and sweet because uh, not a lot of Great stuff happened. The Jets lost to the Bengals 27 to 12 at home. We'll start with the offense. Flacco, pretty good week last week, but was not good this week. Threw two picks, threw it 52 times, not very accurately, fumbled twice. Um, the one thing I, I don't get right now, I, you know, I haven't had a lot of complaints about LaFleur calling the offense, but Brees Hall, five yards per carry. He only had eight carries this game. They should have kept feeding. I know they were down, but you can't have Flacco standing back there 52 times. Uh, ridiculous. But Garrett Wilson looks very good. Uh, he had a scary injury, but came back into the game in the second half, had some catches. Sauce Gardner allowed zero catches on, uh, I think, 10 snaps on Jamar Chase. This past game completely locked him up. Um, so I'm proud of those two guys. Some bad news, though, that we got to close with is George Fant headed to the IR with an injury. That means we're going to have our fourth and fifth tackles for next week in Zach Wilson's possible first game back. We still don't know about him yet, but hopefully he's back. We're playing Pittsburgh, probably going to get smashed because uh, we have no offensive line, but hopefully Zach plays well. Yeah. Moving on to the Raiders. We uh, are the only 0-3 team in the NFL, even though it doesn't really feel like it. Uh, lost to the Titans 24 to 22 in a pretty intriguing game. I'd say for outsiders this is definitely just another typical Raider game. If you're a Raider fan though, where we lose by two points or something goes wrong and we end up losing the game. Uh, as far as individual play players go, Derek Carr played really, really well. Uh, in my opinion, I think you could obviously look for Devonte more, uh, and I'll get more into that in a little bit, but with the decisions and the throws that he did make, I think he did a pretty good job with those throws. And his total numbers were 26 for 44, 303 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. But that one interception was not his fault. And I don't want to be that guy saying, oh, oh, is it like you're, it's an interceptable ball. Yeah. Like, uh, blah, blah, blah. like, all interceptions are his fault or something like that. But this one was as clear as day that it was not his fault. Uh, and I'll jump into that now. And that's with Darren Waller and his mm. lackadaisical self. Uh, Waller, these past three, four years, has never been that type of guy. <clears throat> he's always been running around. He's been super aggressive. He's been passionate. But something just wasn't there on Sunday. I don't know if it was from just getting paid a couple weeks ago. And now he feels like he could take the foot off the gas. Uh, but he had a play where... Uh, there's a couple different instances. So he had a play earlier in the game uh, when Raiders had a really good play design. They got Waller wide open, had about five or six yards of separation. Carr drops a pass a little bit overthrown, but still very much catchable. And instead of diving for the ball, they're going all out for it. Waller just sticks his hand out, tries to make a crazy one-handed catch, and just lets it 
fall out of his hands or fall out of his hand, I guess. Commentators were saying it, saying Waller's just a little lackadaisical there. You got to like dive for that. You got to, you got to make the play. It's on the third and eight, third and nine. So you have, you end up punting the ball right after that. So it's, you don't make that catch. It could change the game a ton. Uh, then the other incident is the interception uh, at the goal line. I believe it was on a third or fourth down too. So pretty big spot there. Ridge only down eight to 11 points. So they were well within the game. Good amount of time left. probably 10 to 12 minutes. Uh, and Carr makes a great play of aiding pressure. Throws a bullet to Darren Waller. There's a guy or there's a guy on each of his side, probably two yards away on each side. And it's right to him, man. It's like right out of his eyes. And the ball just goes through his hands. Uh, you could tell he wasn't really focused on the ball as much. He was focused more on getting hit. Uh, ball goes off of his hands, hits his helmet, bounces in the air. And then the Titans pick it off. And that's their cars one interception, unfortunately. Uh, but I don't want to vote on the bad too long. There was some good sides of this game, and I will get back to one negative as well at the end. Uh, I want to talk about Josh Jacobs. Had the flu all this week. We didn't even know if he was going to make the trip because he was so sick. Ended up making the trip. 13 carries for 66 yards, as well as five catches for 31 yards. Jacobs is very New underappreciated game. right now. Yeah, he doesn't. He hasn't had a touchdown yet at this point in the year, but he's been super productive with his carries and his touches that he's getting uh, for passes as well. Jacobs last three or four years has been 3.8 to 4 point yards per, per carry right now or back then. And now he's up to like 4.7, 4.8 to start this year. So he's been a bright spot for the Raiders. Uh, another bright spot for the Raiders has got to be Mac Collins and his, I don't even know how to describe it. He looked like Calvin Johnson on Sunday, which is just so crazy to see because it's Matt Collins. But he had eight catches for 158 yards and a touchdown, uh, which ended up being the touchdown that could have ended up tying the game if we got the two-point conversion. That did not end up happening, though. But Matt Collins, man. Uh, and if there's one thing that you can see with the Raiders wide receivers the last few years is that Derek Carr is getting some of these guys paid. Mm-hmm. In 2020, it was Nelson Aguilar. He ends up going to the Pats after his great year with us and gets paid over there. Last year, it was Zay Jones who made some plays and ended up getting a pretty big contract from Jacksonville. And at this point in the year, it looks like it's going to be Matt Collins. Uh, another guy that I want to talk about that has done really well so far is Max Crosby. This guy looks like an absolute one-man wrecking crew on the defense. He's the only person who has a sack on the team. Feels like he's the only person making pressure, and he's great in the run game he stopped Derrick Henry a couple times he had a forced fumble tackles for loss pass defense you know he's all over everything he was the game's tap or the Raiders tackle leader uh, but I want to make the same point that I made last week uh, with Chandler Jones it feels like he's not even on the team right now uh, Cleveland Farrell's taking a lot of his snaps right now too which is crazy to see because you just sign Chandler Jones and right away within three games, he's not getting all the snaps that he should or probably should, but he needs to do more. No, not a single sack. Nothing. Similar situation with Carl Lawson with us. I know he's coming off an injury, but you can't have Jacob Martin coming in and taking a snap. We paid this guy a lot for a reason. Exactly. Uh, but Owen three right now, I'm not, we'll, we'll talk about the Raiders more. Uh, later in the show about how how bad this team actually is mm-hmm. and i'm not going to get too much into it now because i'll talk more about it later but i'm not quite yet pressing the panic button 
I'll just say that. All right. Let's go ahead and get to a new segment that we're doing before we get to where's your head at. Going talking about where we went wrong and where we went right this past week within our picks and just some things we thought was going to happen together. What did you get wrong? What did you get right? We'll start off with the bad. I picked Washington to beat Philly this week. Uh, it's not that I dislike Philly. We'll get more into Philly. I just, I've seen them stall in the second half on offense the past couple of weeks, and they did. I just didn't expect Washington to be scoreless at halftime. Uh, they tried to come back in the second half, only got eight points. It just wasn't enough, but uh, that's where I was wrong. I was probably the only person in the world to pick Washington. Why well, I went wrong uh, was picking the Jets this past mm-hmm. weekend against the Bengals. I feel like when you're when you're doing picks against your friends and stuff like that, you have to make these plays that are mm. just kind of bold because you got to win, and you're not going to win by just picking the favorites the whole time. And I liked the Jets this weekend. I thought that I probably was going to be the only one that picked them. However, game just didn't turn out that way. I didn't get too much time to watch it, but I've heard from Skyler a little yeah. bit about how the game went. And uh, really slow paced. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's where I went wrong. Skyler, would you go right? Where I went right was picking Dallas on Monday Night Football over the Giants. I, I didn't think Cooper Rush was too bad of a quarterback. I actually thought both quarterbacks, him and Daniel Jones, played pretty well last night. But that Cowboys defense was just too much for the Giants. The O-line is young, and they were not ready for Micah Parsons and crew coming through. Well, I went right. I want to talk about my pick uh, with Green Bay over Tampa Bay. And as far as our picks went, Two of us picked Green Bay, two of us picked Tampa. Uh, so it's not like some crazy outlier, and I was the only yeah. one that picked them to win, and they ended up winning. But we kind of knew this game was not going to be one with the wide receivers. We knew that there was going to be a lack of wide receivers just because Green Bay's kind of been at that spot now, and Tampa just <laughs> ended up not having anybody for this past week. So Russell Gage ended up having 12 catches. So Green Bay, I thought their defense was going to be better. I knew Aaron Rodgers was going to be better uh, with the worst targets or the worst uh, receivers to throw mm. to. And uh, so I'm happy with my Green Bay pick. That's that. why they were my uh, my number one seed still, even after that embarrassing loss. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get to where's your head at, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about this week because, like we were saying at the opening part of the show, there's really nothing that we know in the season so far. We're going to try to talk it through. Exactly. So the first thing that we do have to talk about is the Miami Dolphins. They're the only 3-0 and team in the AFC. They just beat the Bills. They beat the Ravens two weeks ago now at this point. And they're sitting at 3-0. and So here's the obvious question. Yeah. Are the Dolphins the best team in the AFC? I'm still going to take a healthy Buffalo at this point. Missing pretty much their entire secondary. But I still think Miami's a great team. I mean, Tua didn't have to do much, and he was obviously concussed, and they got the job done. That's obviously a good sign for Miami. I really like Miami. I really do. I think their offense is super explosive. Their defense is opportunistic, uh, and their punter just likes kicking the football into his (laughs) guy's butt. But uh, I'm picking the Chiefs until they they mm-hmm. lose out. You know, I'm picking the Chiefs every single time and the Bills right now too until they're out of the playoffs. So, unless Miami goes 17 and 0 
the Chiefs go 11 and five or 11 and six and the Bills do something similar. The Dolphins sweep the Bills this year and win in Buffalo and they win big in Buffalo. I'm not going to go away from those two teams because we can't panic earlier in the year. But I do think Miami is is pretty legit. Mm-hmm. What are the other side of it now? In the NFC, there's only one 3-0 team, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe a little bit more expecting than what we have for the Dolphins being 3-0, considering mm-hmm. the teams that they've played. But are the Eagles the the best team in the NFC? I still think Green Bay and Tampa Bay are miles ahead of them. Uh, that game last week, some people maybe thought it was boring. I just think those two defenses, and especially the quarterbacks, being able to go at their own pace, you know, in a, in a defensive heavy game without their targets uh, is really important. And those are the kind of games that are going to be played in the postseason. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been amazing this year. And so was Slay, respectively. But I, I still haven't seen them finish out a close game that they were dominating. Uh, you know, if they prove me wrong, that's perfectly fine. But I'm not going to bet on them because of what I saw last year in Tampa Bay, last January. I, I need to see them close out a decent team. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, that the Eagles are the best team in the NFC right now. And it's not just because of one person, but it's because of mainly one person. And that's Jalen hurts. And in my opinion, I think he's been the MVP in the leagues so far. He might not have the greatest counting stats compared to a Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. or a Josh Allen or Tua, but Jalen hurts is leaving some blowouts right now for this team. And I know their offense kind of sputtered in the second half of these past two games, but their defense was just as good as they were in the first half yeah. and the second half, and they just dominated the Vikings and they dominated the Commanders uh, on Sunday this past week. I think they're better than the Bucks right now. I think they're better than the Packers right now. I think they're better than the Rams right now. I don't think any team besides those three are really even in the same conversation as the Eagles as they are right now. We got to talk about the team that the Eagles are playing this week, though. Should be a fun matchup. It's the 2-1 Jacksonville Jaguars who just destroyed the Chargers last week, 38-10. James Robinson looks great. Travis Etienne looks good. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's progressing. Doug Peterson looks to be the the best possible hire they could have. So what do you make mm-hmm. of this 2-1 Jaguar team? It's a really interesting situation, and I'm going to be – try to be honest about this uh, and not try to discredit, but this was a trap game. They're capable of beating the banged up teams. Now they paid a lot of guys. Uh, Obviously the chargers were really banged up this week. Uh, Urban Meyer's gone. Doug Peterson, like you said, is looking like the right guy, but we've seen these teams play spoiler the past couple of years, Chicago, Detroit, the jets. uh, So I'm I'm not going to overreact about this one. It's a bad decision. So the playoffs aren't impossible. I think it's a nine-win ceiling. But again, they they can prove me wrong. I'm just not going to bet on them yet. I like the Jags. And with their spot in the division that they play in, I think it's definitely possible for this team to get double-digit wins. Uh, They have that young quarterback, so we don't really have a super complete picture of how this team's going to end up being this year because Trevor Lawrence can progress throughout the season. He's obviously learning – Doug Peterson's playbook as as he goes and looks to be doing off pretty well for them because James Robinson is going ham and Travis Etienne's playing well. Their defense is surprisingly really, really good so far. I mean, they shut out the Colts 
The Chiefs defense couldn't even do anything against the Colts. They played well against the Chargers. We know how good that explosive Chargers offense is, even without a Keenan Allen uh, or now, I guess, Jalen Guyton, but he tore his ACL on the last play of the game, so that doesn't really have much uh, matter into that sense. But I like the Jags. I think they can be a wild card team. I don't know if they will, but I can definitely see an 11 or 10 win season with this team, but I can also see him just sputtering out and mm-hmm. going six and seven or six and seven wins or something like that. But I like them. I think they're fun to watch. Let's go ahead and send us to halftime though. Quick first half. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll start off halftime with the NFL injury report. Just the notables though. We'll try to spin through here. Justin Herbert obviously was playing hurt last week, ribs and a back injury too. He's going to play this week, but likely not going to practice. So something to keep in mind when you're making your bets. Dak Prescott with the thumb injury, he says he's not ruling out a return this week. I think that would be pretty surprising since Cooper Rush has been pretty solid so far. Reno in his first three games. Yeah, but again, something to watch out for. Mac Jones with the Patriots, high ankle sprain. They haven't said anything yet, but it's usually four to six weeks. Uh, That's a a bummer for the Patriots. Obviously, if you have to throw Brian Hoyer or Bailey Zappi, likely not going to go well for them. Uh, So another one. I'm sorry, but that's how Belichick is. He's not going to tell us until Sunday morning. Um, Trent Williams with the same injury, the high ankle sprain. He is a little more doubtful. Uh, Shanahan the other day, I heard on the radio, said it's normally four to six weeks, but it could be eight with a guy as big as Trent Williams. So that sucks for the Niners. That's their captain. Um, Really rough. Another one for him. Uh, Let's move on to the running backs. DeAndre Swift with a shoulder and ankle injury. Likely going to be out until week seven. They want to give him an extra week after the bye in week six. So Jamal Williams owners like me are very happy about that. Uh, Dalvin Cook, shoulder injury at the end of their game last week is going to be game time decision is what they say. I don't think we're going to get anything else from that. Uh, So that sucks as a Dalvin owner in fantasy. (laughs) And David Montgomery, the Bears running back ankle and a knee. Again, they haven't told us anything. So he could possibly be on IR. Uh, We don't know yet. So uh, hopefully we find out more. Maybe we'll tweet about it if we do find out more. And some of the receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown, Kyle's guy, ankle injury, but is expected to play. Maybe another situation where no practice, but uh, he just wants to get ready for the game. And the last one from last night, Sterling Shepard. Nasty leg injury. It looks like an ACL. They haven't said anything yet. but They did say. Oh, I they did? They, I thought they said torn ACL, right? Uh, with no phone, it's hard to stay in the Oh, loop. yeah, yeah, My yeah, bad. Yeah, <laughs> so, torn ACL then? Uh Sterling Shepard season over. That's uh, a tough one. Uh, so we'll jump right into college football. Start off with the week four recap. Uh, crazy one in week four is Clemson holds on 51 to 45 in double overtime. Uh, DJ and Sam Howell both played amazing, but Clemson got to stop in double overtime. So they get the win. Kansas State with a big win at number six, Oklahoma. Their quarterback, Adrian Martinez, if you remember him from the Cornhuskers the past couple of years, had four rushing touchdowns in this game. Uh, Ohio State takes care of Wisconsin, uh, another great defense that they just manhandled. Number 23, Texas A&M escapes number 10, Arkansas, 23-21. Tennessee, big win at home against number 20, Florida. They stay undefeated. And one more here I wanted to talk about. Yes, Texas Tech win over number 22, Texas, 
in overtime at home, uh, shutting down Bijan Robinson as best as they could. I'll talk about him later, though. And I already talked about Middle Tennessee. I've said number 25, Miami. So let's, let's get into the Heisman watch for week five. Here we go. I got uh, another couple honorable mentions. Michael Panix, again, the quarterback from Washington. 300 yards, two touchdowns against Stanford. He's doing his job. Honorable mention, Caleb Williams drops down from a bad game at Oregon State. He didn't look very good. Same with Stetson Bennett. Bad game against Kent State, even though they won. So they're going to drop out of the top five for now. Number five, though, Bijan Robinson makes the list. Yeah, maybe he got shut down by Texas Tech, but it's still 100 yards and a two touchdowns <laughs> in a game where Bijan Robinson gets shut down. This dude's ridiculous. Uh, number four, it's going to be Will Anderson. Alabama edge rusher jumps up a spot, two and a half sacks against Vandy. Can't wait for them to play a good team because uh, they're destroying everybody right now. That defense, a newcomer to the list at number three, DJ Uyunglele, 400 total touchdowns, five, 400 total yards, five touchdowns against Wake Forest in a crazy shootout. Uh, he's having an amazing year. I'm trying not to um, have the past years block me from how great he's been playing because he was awful the past couple of years, but he's really been good so far. Number two, CJ Stroud. He's going to drop down a spot, even though he had five touchdowns against Wisconsin because Bryce Young's back. He was unstoppable. 385, four touchdowns against Vandy. I know it's Vandy, but they're a lot better. That's their first SEC game. And they didn't struggle like they did last week at all. So Bryce Young takes the top spot. Can't wait for some more conference play. Yeah, moving on to our pick standings now. Uh, through three weeks of the NFL season, though kind of slow starts for us. We haven't really gotten into our groove of getting double digits back-to-back weeks or having a 14-er or 13 or a high number in the We were both there. around 70% last year, right? Yeah, but it's been, it's a, been a slow start for us. Uh-huh. I will say that. Uh, but this week specifically is a really rough week for Brett. Got off to a slow start and ended up getting all three of the primetime games wrong, mm. leading to a seven and sixteen record. This or not seven and sixteen, seven out of sixteen yes. record for this week. Me and Skyler ended up tying this week with eight out of sixteen. However, we had a lot of like different picks in games. It just ended yeah. up being that the ones that I got right, Skyler got wrong, and the ones that Skyler got wrong, I got right. Uh, Odd. And then Alex blew us out of the water. 11 out of 16. Of course, the craziest week of the year, he gets the best, right? That's such an that Alex was, move. <laughs> yeah, so he ends up taking the lead for that week and getting the dub there. Yeah. Uh, and the full picture now, as far as through three weeks, me, Skyler, and Brett all tied at 25 out of 47. Uh, remember 47 instead of 48 because of that week one tie between the Colts and the Texans. Yeah. Uh, and Alex is in the lead by three, oh, 28 Jesus. out of 47. So Let's good job, Alex there. We, we got to take that lead back, Skyler. We got to yeah. do it. Moving on. Before we go back to where's your head at, we're going to talk about my start and sit suggestions from last week. I did start or did I started doing this in week two. Keeping along for week three. And the first guy that I had was sitting Tom Brady versus the Packers. And that ended up being a pretty good move. Third, 31 for 42, 271 yards, a touchdown late in the game, leading to 14.74 fantasy points. Wasn't anything crazy around the middle of the pack for QBs this week. And uh, 
I'd say I did pretty good there. Moving on to the next one, I said start Miles Sanders. Uh, I thought he was going to have a lot of production. I thought he was going to get a lot of carries. He ended up getting a pretty good amount of carries, 15 carries, 16 total touches, uh, but only had 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, and that ended up screwing him with no touchdowns as well. So he only had 5.4 points. Mm. Bad week there for me, so I'm fully taking the responsibility for that. Next up, I said start Damian Pierce. I thought he was going to have a lot of production versus a Chicago team. That was going to be a pretty close game. Ended up getting 22 total touches, 80 rushing yards, 21 receiving yards, and had a touchdown. So 18.1 points. Ended up putting him in that RB1 category. So that is a big green there, and I think that Mm -hmm. ends up canceling out that Miles Sanders pick. And lastly, I said start Drake London. He had a lot of targets in the first two games. I expected him to get a similar target share. He had six targets, which was decent. Only ended up catching three of those balls, though, uh, for 54 yards. But he did have a touchdown, giving him the total of 14.4 points. Wasn't a great week. Wasn't a terrible week. It was just mid. Mm-hmm. So, well, yellow, at least he didn't sit Devontae Smith like I did. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so we had a yellow with Drake London. We had a mm-hmm. bright green with uh, Damian Pierce. We had a red with Miles Sanders. And we had a somewhat green with Tom Brady. Let's Pretty go ahead week. and get back to the second half. So moving on to the second half now, we are talking about the two teams that were in Sunday night football and that disaster of a game and the Broncos <laughs> 10 to 11 victory. I think it was This is a terrible game. Jimmy G played bad. Russell Wilson played bad. Both defenses played really good. Uh, and that's pretty much the gist of it. But what we, we got to talk about specifically is are these Raider or not Raider Jesus Bronco yeah. and Niner defenses enough to get them into the playoffs or were those offenses bog them down enough to keep them out of it. I expect both teams to be in the playoffs still. I'll start with San Francisco. I hear all these Niner fans complaining that uh, we have a backup quarterback seasons over. Jimmy's not a backup. Cooper rush is a backup. Joe Flacco at this point, not playing in two years is a, is a backup. Okay. San Francisco was three and five last year. After getting wrecked by Indianapolis, they still made it. And we'll go to Denver, rookie head coach and the new quarterback. They're going to make mistakes, but if they beat Vegas once, don't fall behind Cleveland, the Chargers, Indy. They'll get in. It's just it's easy math, you know. Uh, maybe not as easy on the football field, but I still expect these teams to be in it. I'm going to go ahead and say that it will. I don't like the Broncos. I don't like their offense. I don't think their defense is the craziest defense. I know they've had some solid outings, uh, but then again, they went up against the Niners team that has a lot of people hurt. They went up against the Seahawks who have Geno Smith and they went up against the Texans who have Davis Mills and some shitty receivers. The Niners though, I think if they kept everything the same, as of right now, nobody else got hurt the rest of the season. They would make it. But just the way the season's going, the Niners are getting so unlucky that somebody else is going to get hurt and they won't make the playoffs, unfortunately, for That's them. That's possible. Uh, and it's as easy as one person getting hurt. If Debo ever goes down for a couple games, they're not going to win those games. They don't have the playmakers now. Eli Mitchell's out. Trent Williams is out. Trey Lance is out. Their defense is amazing. But if you can't put up points, you can't win too many games 9 to 10. I'll say that. So 
I think it is going to be an unfortunate and slow, painful death for the Niners and the Broncos this year. Let's talk about the 0-3 team, though. Let's talk about the Raiders. I talked about them quite a bit, obviously, in the team report. Uh, but I'm kind of curious to see how you think of this team so far. Are the Raiders really this bad? Are they the worst team in the NFL? Or is something going to turn around for them? Obviously, the rookie head coach comes with the challenges, you know, but all of his mistakes led to this 0-3 start in all winnable games. You know, Hackett makes a lot of mistakes, but so far it hasn't impacted the game. Uh, obviously in Seattle, uh, there was a, a timeout they could have called for a, a closer field goal, but uh, I'm just talking about these, these recent games, not the opener. Uh, this is supposed to be the breakout year. You know, they were loaded for the first time in forever. Uh, so they're likely going to have to make some big changes. And I'm going to hold off right there for later. Uh, is in the worst team in the NFL bad? No. I don't think there's any chance that this team doesn't end up winning like five or six games. There's definitely a lot of winnable games in the schedule, but it doesn't get easy that quick. You have your first next two games against Denver, who's two and one. And I know their offense has been bad, but their defense has been good. Uh, and then you play the Chiefs on Monday night in Kansas City after that. After that, you go into the bye. And if you're 0-5, maybe it does end up being that bad. But if you're 1-4 or somehow end up winning both of those games, which I doubt it happens, you're going to have a lot of confidence going into this next stretch where you play the Texans, you play the Saints, you play the Jags, who I know are 2-1, and one, but still have a young quarterback. You play the Colts. You play the Broncos again. You play the Seahawks. So you have a good five or six game stretch where you have some very winnable games in there. If you end up being one and four or two and three, I'll I'll say one and four. I think that's Mm -hmm. the most reasonable thing. And then you win four out of five. Next thing you know, you're 500 again and you're in a reasonable spot and you're playing against teams down the stretch that are going to impact the playoff standards Mm -hmm. by a lot because you're going to be playing the Chargers. You're going to be playing the Chiefs. You're going to be playing the the Patriots who might be in it. You're going to be playing the Steelers who might be in it. So are they this bad? No. Are they bad right now with McDaniels? Hell yes, they're bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any chance of making the playoffs with this head coach. I think McDaniels is the death of this franchise. One team that hasn't really lived up to expectations in the season so far has been the Chargers. Uh, one of the worst point differentials in the league, uh, minus 26, just had the most embarrassing loss of Brandon Staley's short head coaching career, losing 38-10 to 10 against the Jags. Or not Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence did look good. But Justin Herbert looked decent that game, but mm. we know he's hurt. They're plagued of injuries. Keenan Allen's been out. J.C. Jackson's been out. Joey Bosa got hurt. Jalen Guyton's out for the year. Rashawn Slater's out for the year. That's one I probably should have mentioned earlier. He's very good. Are the Chargers screwed? Yeah, the injury bug is a bitch, especially when it gets your franchise quarterback. Uh, and they're looking like the odd man out in the AFC right now. It'll take some huge games from Herbert. and But more importantly, that expensive defense needs to bounce back. But if they're all hurt, it doesn't matter. They're not going to win. Yeah. I think the Chargers are screwed. And it's it's something I said early in the year prior to the season that things just go wrong with the Chargers. Everything can be right. They can have this great roster. 
but for some reason it just doesn't work out and you can see that it's happening right now. I don't want to say I'm right for predicting injuries because no one's ever right for predicting injuries, but it just happens that way for the chargers. I don't know why. I don't know if it's something Brandon Staley does. I don't know if their practices are too hard and they're just pushing their guys too much. And this dates back even further than Staley though, but it's (laughs) something it's just bad juju. I think they're cursed and I think they are screwed for this year. Mm Mm-hmm. So our last segment before getting into our layups and bowl predictions, which were really bad last week, uh, we're going to talk about some head coaches that are on the hot seat. The one main guy that I think me and Skyler will both 100% have in common will be Josh McDaniels uh, through first three games, 0-3. Uh, but besides McDaniels, not Mike, who are the other head coaches on the hot seat right now? I want to start with McDaniels just to let you know I – I think he should be fired if they start off uh, like one and five ish, but I don't think he will because he was, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. He was brought in before the GM. That doesn't happen very often for situations like this because the GM's his buddy. So I don't think they would fire him and, unless it was 0 and 9, maybe. Uh, but it's not about McDaniels. We could talk about this, you know, in the future. So we'll start off with Matt Rule. I think his seat has been the warmest uh, for about a year and a half now. He's been so bad. Uh, you know, not using his players right, not bringing in the right personnel, drafting seven defensive players in a row in the draft. Who does that? John Gruden, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, he's pretty warm. You have a Matt Rule comment or you want me to keep going? Uh, I'll let you say all yours and then I'll get to all mine after. Okay. Uh, I wanted to mention Arthur Smith from Atlanta. It's not all his fault. It's not a great roster, but no improvement on the offense at all. And he's this offensive genius guy. Uh, and similar situation with Frank Reich and Indy, uh, big win against Kansas city. They've had a lot of quarterbacks, but here's another guy who is supposed to completely flip the offense and, uh, similar to Atlanta just hasn't, uh, happened at all. They can't even use Jonathan Taylor correctly right now. It's a mess. That's it. Sorry. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't know if you're just getting a drink to yeah. <laughs> get ready to speak again, or it's just going on to me. Uh, I'll go division by division. I'll see what I got for these. AFC East, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, Patriots, those guys are safe. Dolphins, been amazing. Bills, been amazing. Jets are making progress. Yeah. And belt check. So that's pretty simple there. AFC North, Stefanski's safe. Harbaugh's safe. Tomlin's safe. Zach Taylor, he's safe. But it's maybe something for the next year if they don't have that Super Bowl hangover or if they have that Super Bowl hangover for too long. He could be end up being gone if they don't make it this year and next year. I don't think that will happen, though, but it's something to keep our eyes out for. Uh, AFC South, Peterson's chilling. Mm-hmm. Frank Reich is not chilling. He's on the hot seat now at this point. I think this roster has been so good these past few years, and I know they've been missing a quarterback and maybe missing another weapon on offense, but they choked last year. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't do anything in the playoffs the year before that, and they don't look too good right now either. I know it be, they beat the Chiefs, but they yeah. just got shut out by Jacksonville, and they just tied to the Texans. And I know those are divisional games, and divisional games are toss-ups. But if they end up winning seven games and they miss the playoffs and the Jags win the division, they're on the hot seat. Uh, off topic, more? sorry. Uh, but I, I believe Frank Reich and Jim Harbaugh were both Jets quarterbacks the year we went 1-15. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know sorry. how that is any relation, but <laughs> sounds good. Uh, 
Vrabel's safe. I think he's too good of a coach. Even if the Titans have a terrible year, he's going to be just okay. Uh, and Malik Wells will take the reins and everything will be fine there. Uh, Texans, Lovey Smith, he's all good for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not really expecting too much out of him. His them, job is to keep everyone sane. Exactly. Uh, Andy Reid's safe. Nathaniel Hackett. If they were losing games, maybe, yeah. but they're two and one. And because of one of his decisions, that's why they have a loss. But besides the point, they're two and one. So when you're winning games, nobody's going to bat an eye. Staley, I don't think they're going to fire him after two years. Yeah. But if they don't have things going right next year, he can be gone. Kind of the same Zach Taylor situation. Uh, McDaniels, I'll talk about him at the end because I do want to talk about him a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, on the NFC, Sarani's safe. Mike McCarthy is definitely not safe. If they don't make the playoffs, the Cowboys are kicking McCarthy out and Sean Payton's coming in. Brian Dable, he's chilling, man. Mm-hmm. This guy's so good. Riverboat Ron, I expected retirement this past year. Didn't happen. I do think he probably is no longer the coach as of next year. I don't know if that's because of fire or just a mutual let go. But I think the commanders do need some change in command. Uh, On to the NFC North. O'Connell's fine. LaFleur's fine. Eberflus is fine. He's 2-1 in his first three games. He could be 3-1 with the game against the Giants this week. And Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's interesting because everybody likes him. But how good of a head coach is he really? I know their offense has been putting up a lot of points, but their defense hasn't done jack shit. And I know he's an offensive-minded head coach, and he's a super, like, I don't not lovable, but... Player-oriented. Like, player-oriented head coach. But if they're not winning come next year, he's another guy in that Staley, Zach Taylor, both that the season hot right now. But next year, if they're not, definitely in that hot seat. Uh, Buccaneers, who's coaching them? Is Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, that's it. I was going to yeah. say Leftwich. I was going to say. He's still there, though. But Todd Bowles, yes, he's fine. Matt Rule, that's too obvious. He's on the hot yeah. seat. Uh, Dennis Allen as the head coach. Should have never made that hire, but he's not on the hot seat. I think he gets another year. Arthur Smith, I think, also gets another year, too. I think they kind of understand that roster is really mm. bad. And they're going to try to give him Bryce Young or whoever may be yeah. there. Uh, McVay. He's chilling. They just won the Super Bowl. Unless he retires. Yeah. <laughs> Shanahan. As much as people want to say that he's on the hot seat for in, injuring Trey Lance, I have the air quotes up. Obviously, you can't see that, so I don't know why I did that. But I've done it before. He's completely fine. Shanahan's won too many games for the Niners. He's staying as their head coach. Pete Carroll, I think he retires after this year. And Cliff Kingsbury, if he doesn't make playoffs this year, he's gone. But let me get back to McDaniels. Josh, that is. Yeah. Uh, and I've talked with a few of my fellow Raider fans about when is Josh McDaniels, like if, if they go, oh, and what? What does Owen oh, what need to be in order for McDaniels to be fired? Heard somebody say he's going to go the full year. We did all this stuff. Do they go, oh, I mean, Owen oh, 17 is unrealistic. But if they were yeah. to go, Owen oh, 17, that's when they kick him out. Owen oh, 16 wouldn't do it for him. I say 0-5. If you lose to the Broncos and you lose to the Chiefs, which is kind of a tough game to win anyways, you have the bye right after, and that's when you can make a change. I don't know who in the world would be the intern head coach, but if you're 0-5 with this roster, 
you're gone. And if there's one thing I've learned of being a Raider fan in the past three or four years, I told this guy last night, yeah. there's three guarantees in life. Death, taxes, and beating the Broncos. And if you can't beat the Broncos, your former team that you were the head coach for, we'll see you. That is very fair. Back to Foxborough. Go take Just, Matt Patricia's I'm job. I'm telling you, it's going to get a little, little sticky if the GM doesn't get fired because it's not his fault, right? But they're it's, buddies and they, they went with each other. No, 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 no. Ziegler's staying. I fuck with Ziegler. Ziegler made the moves to bring in Devontae. He did spend $50 million to sign a wash Chandler Jones, but he got us Devontae. He got Rocky Scene, who's been a pretty good addition. Yeah. He got Matt Collins, who's been a great addition. He kept Josh Jacobs, kept Derek Carr, locked up Max Crosby, locked up Hunter Renfro. I think Ziegler's a guy there. Okay. You just don't have the right head coach for him. Yeah. So that does it for where's your head at? Let's this edition to... of destroying the Raiders. <laughs> exactly. Rebuilding, Hopefully, I guess. We're not destroying <laughs> them next week. Hopefully we're maybe building yeah. them back up. But uh, the layups and bull predictions, man. Last week, yeah. 0-4 for me and Skyler. It was terrible. I had the Weird Pittsburgh week. versus Cleveland under 38. That just barely went over. Skyler had USC... Minus six and a half at Oregon State. They won by just a couple points. So that did not hit there. But USC did get the win. This week, I have Cleveland money line versus the Atlanta Falcons. At, it's at minus 125 right now. So it's not super lopsided or anything like that. I think the spread's yeah. just a point and a half. Uh, but the Falcons, they're not good. They just got a win over the Seahawks. But they're not good. Cleveland's had some time to rest. And I know Miles Garrett just got in the car crash yesterday and had all that stuff happen but they'll be just fine i say cleveland wins by a touchdown all right i'm gonna go with uh, the clemson tigers to cover six points against nc state nc state's a top 10 team offense has been crazy but they haven't played anyone yet clemson's kept up with some some crazy offenses so far early in the season so i'm gonna say clemson to cover by a touchdown moving on to the bold predictions i had houston money line versus the Chicago Bears on Sunday at plus 135. That did not hit because Davis Mills threw a pick late in the game to Roquan Smith and Chargers, or not Chargers. The Bears end up kicking a game-winning field goal at the end of that game. So that's a red one there. Skyler had the Chiefs alternate line, minus 14 versus Indianapolis. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. He had yeah. the line. What happened talking about the game? Because everybody knows what already happened there. However... I'm going against Indy this week. I have the Tennessee Titans over Indianapolis in Indy. That's plus 160 right now. Give me the Titans. All right. I'm going to take Oklahoma State to win at Baylor. A tough place to play. A possible rematch in the Big 12 championship. But Baylor's had a lot of injuries on the offense. I'm taking Oklahoma State on the road. Spencer Sanders is going to shred him. Heck yeah. It's going to do it for episode 107. A lot of football. We'll talk more baseball next week. We'll see if we have all the seedings down, but the playoffs are just around the corner there. Hopefully yeah. the Raiders get a win, man. It's, it's been frustrating, but, uh, hopefully we'll Zach Wilson doesn't get eight. killed. Exactly. <laughs> all right, let's go. Uh, go, uh, go Raiders. Go Raiders. Um, go bottom AFC teams. Let's, uh, get it rolling. There we go. Adios. Later. <laughs>